Hello and welcome to Caged In, the podcast where week by week, film by film, I try and figure out if Nicolas Cage is the greatest actor of his generation, or any generation for that matter, or he is the wild madman moron that many online detractors would have you believe. I bring on a guest each week as well and ask them what was their first, what was their favourite Nicolas Cage film and use my unique scoring system to find out in each film, does he have a crazy voice? Does he have bad hair? And to some people, not all, it may be most important, does he freak out? Does he lose his shit? And this week, oh, it's a it's 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 a fantastic episode and a fantastic guest. Um, we're talking about Army of One, and the person to join me to do that is Brett Jones. He's a fantastic illustrator and artist. I'll give him an introduction when he's on there because I like to make my guests feel a little bit uncomfortable uh, when we're face to face by telling them their achievements and what they do. And as always, uh, always get something wrong. He is a contributor to the hardest part of the Ring podcast. But that will be brought up in the in the main body of the episode and that will all make sense. Uh, be sure as well to join me at the end because there's this since kind of when, when I recorded this episode, it led to a really, really great story involving the director of this film larry charles and the future of this film so please do be sure to join me at the end where i can kind of go into all of the nitty-gritty details on what happened afterwards and yeah i look forward to sharing that story with you but until then enjoy this episode In 2017, I received a message from God, and by God, I mean the one true God, Nicolas Cage. He told me to watch all his films and record a podcast about it. This was after watching one of his movies. That movie was Army of One. Unlike Gary Faulkner, I'm not a lone wolf on my journey of God. I'm joined today by Brett Jones, illustrator and host of the Hardest Part of the Ring podcast. How are you today, Brett? I'm great. I'm great. I'm a partaker. I'm not a host on Hardest Part. Adam might give me a a slap for that. I do, I do, I do apologise. I do apologise. Yeah, That's all right. I'm, I'm prone to getting things wrong. That's I'm. I don't put in as much work or effort. You see, like when you host, you have to be on it and do lots of work. When you're just partaking, you can just rock up and talk crap. I realised that very early on, and realised the rod I'd made for my own back, especially undertaking this upwards of a hundred film journey that like led me to taking like a ridiculously long hiatus I think like uh came back it wasn't like a kind of uh six seasons in a movie like community either <laughs> people were, were begging for more it wasn't like a yeah Seinfeld like we'll give you yeah. a million per episode for another season it was well lockdowns happened I guess I, I, I guess I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a white straight male I better I better get back to podcasting <laughs> so yeah totally so, probably explain to the listeners like how I first stumbled across you so through your like illustration work and 
you created this amazing zine uh i did this cage uh so where did that like where did that come from like that <laughs> that came from me being a Nicolas cage fanatic essentially <laughs> and totally buying into everything that he was and and i love the the whole you know let's say mythology the whole cajunist you know people he has people that call themselves you know yeah. after his religion because he is the one true god which you mentioned <laughs> um and just loving everything like that so and being an illustrator and basically just enjoying drawing pop culture stuff nicholas cage was definitely high on my radar of things to do and i had so many drawings and stuff that i thought i'll make a zine from it it's like for, for yeah for those of you listening it is it is a work of pure art um i very I've, it's come in quite handy for me as well because there's a a handy centerfold where you can <laughs> yes. tick tick off the movies as 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 they go i guess now it feels like it needs to be even longer because like every year there is just a whole host of yeah coming. i i do print out extra oh, when people have <laughs> bought it recently i have to update it there's another page that slides in there I need to just do another zine in total so that, you know, it can go in there. Amazing. So, yeah, talking about Nicolas Cage, obviously, like, I always ask first question, are you a fan? You violently are. You, you've, you've, yes. you've dedicated time <laughs> and effort to, to, to come all in. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. So what was your first Cage experience? When did you, when did you stumble across that? Yeah, so uh, I was trying to think because... I, I'm not the best with my memory, <laughs> um, which comes up often in podcasting about wrestling because, you know, people have like stat-like stat memories of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is going to be a very hazy. I mean, it's got to be like, I say it's probably Con Air is like most likely the first thing I saw of his. But when I was looking through, chances are it might have been Honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> okay it i have early memories of that and it's a sort of you know romantic comedy schlock that i also enjoy so you know it may have been that not to be confused obviously people at home with leaving, no, Las, leaving Vegas, Las Vegas, which is like which is like the polar opposite yeah that, it would have been quite dark <laughs> to, to, to that movie which like that that point in um nicholas cage's career which like kind of brings me on to army of one is there's like a lot of crossover with actors and just references like unknowing to them, obviously, to uh, Seinfeld in a weird way. Because in that, he wears an eight ball jacket in Honeymoon to Vegas, which is like a kind of linchpin moment in a Seinfeld episode where Elaine's boyfriend, David Puddy, wears this eight ball jacket and everybody like <laughs> takes the piss out. It's just garish kind of multi-colored like i leather. remember them my yeah. my uncle had one yeah yeah and and like cage because he he plays some kind of weird pi in um honeymoon in vegas does if i remember correctly i'm like <sighs> that 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 yeah that that part of his yeah. career is a bit of a haze for me it's been <laughs> since i delved into that into that water um so yeah what is your favorite nick cage movie do you can you can you pick from your children so i'm gonna sort of I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say a few and then I, I am going to pick one. Yep, yep, perfect. Um, so, I mean, I I love most of his films and obviously he's got some amazing films, but the ones that I go back and watch again and again and again are Moonstruck, yep. 
national treasure because I love a treasure chase, you know, yeah. Yeah, treasure yeah. film and um, and the Wicker Man. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the Wicker Man. And, and I tell you what, being a fan of the original Wicker Man, the first time I saw this version, I was just like, you know, this is blaspheme. This is awful. Everything. And then like, but I watched it all the way through. And then like, I think this, I watched it a second time just because I thought I want to watch it again. And I was laughed the whole way through because it is just, I know it's not meant to be a comedy, but it is an on point comedy. And actually when I've watched it recently, I think maybe it is a bit of a comedy because the directing definitely plays it a certain well, way. Well, there's actually like, uh, the director, Neil LeBoot and um, Nicolas Cage have come out and like, I think in that way that like Tommy Wiseau does with The Room, they have now kind of like backtracked and said, oh, no, 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 it's, it's a comedy. It's, it's 100% a comedy. That's what we were <laughs> going for, which is like, would forgive the fact that the font that is used in the title sequence is papyrus. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which like, from that moment, I was like, is this is this film taking itself seriously that and like there's a massively like just strange cameo obviously like since that film came out because uh Aaron Eckhart just pops up in like the first two minutes of that movie and then like is never seen again and yeah it's batshit crazy right like it's it's definitely it's got so many awesome moments (laughs) but I think it's just when I again, I did watch this the other day again because I love it so much. But there's just a bit when he first enters the island and he meets the three women and they've got the bag that's all like rumbling around and they've all got like smirks on their face as they're talking to him. And he's like, What the, are we going to talk about the bag? <laughs> uh, that's comedy. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, we're here today to talk about Army of One. Whoa, what's up, man? You who? Gary Faulkner. I had so many fantasies about you in high school. I must have gone through about 100 boxes of Kleenex. That is disgusting, but I'll take it. Hello, Gary. God? I've got a favor to ask you, Gary. A favor? I need you to go over to Pakistan and capture Bin Laden for me. Capture Bin Laden? We're talking about destiny, Gary. Yes! You and Osama bin Laden. That's crazy. No, I have a lot to do. I'm planning and training. Hey, man, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm pretty sure you can't fail to Pakistan. I'm sailing! Is this Pakistan? No, senor. Reason for visits? Taking care of business. So how do you like it here in Pakistan? Pakistan is very, very beautiful. I love America, so we're even. I love America, too. What's this? An American's at loose in the slums of Islamabad. Ah! He's searching for Osama bin Laden. He's obsessed. Hello. Damn it. You afraid of anything? Does anything scare you? Your bizarre fantasy that somehow you're James Bond or something. Oh, God damn it! You see that motorcycle? He's gonna lead us to Osama bin Laden. Are you serious? Oh my God! Get in the truck, Gary. Yes, Lord. Don't yes, Lord me. Yes, Lord. I said don't say that. Yes, my Lord. What's this now? What's this? It's not Aladdin. I'm not a genie. 
Welcome, Al-Qaeda Cribs, to my cave. My name is Osama Bin Laden. But this is my homies on the left here. This guy here, he make them white boys tremble, so we just call him Milkshake. I said earlier, has a connection to Seinfeld, and that is directed by Larry Charles, who also directed um, Borat, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Dictator, Bruno, and was supposed to even direct Louis Farouk's Scientology film. Um, so a guy who kind of, this is very much in the Larry Charles wheelhouse, I would say, of like that kind of guy over his head, kind yeah. of de- dealing with another culture, very much in the way like Borat is. Kind yeah, of. totally. Um, so first of all, do you, do you like this film? Is this is this is this is this up there as a cage classic for you? Or it's it's <clears throat> I do enjoy this film. I, it is good. I enjoy his performance in it. I, I I think it's like it's not in the upper echelon, but it's like halfway. I'd say, like it's 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 decent. I would watch it again and again. I really would, <laughs> but. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I, I I'd definitely want to see you know the 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 Larry Charles edit of it because this is meant to have been a bit chop happy before release, wasn't it? Well, yeah. So that's obviously comes down to the point of like famously the the Weinstein's, apart from obviously one <laughs> of them being a massive piece of shit and yeah ru- ruining people's lives. Yeah, they, yeah. they are famously known for ruining directors material they kind of have this like very liberal with the scissors in regards to like no this is how we want a movie and like someone like larry charles who has this just style onto his own and recently uh, i'm not sure if you've seen the netflix series he's done which is like comedy of the world and it's 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 reminiscent of this because it's larry charles himself if, if you've ever seen him he's kind of this like arresting looking like six foot something guy big beard he's he's even in this movie he uh interviews god at one point uh on a like oh does he i missed that on a, on a on a tv show and he's like it's called like books and shit and he's talking yeah, about yeah. His, his book uh, the new testament that's and right he's done this series where he goes around to like war-torn countries and tries to find the comedy scene so like the the first <laughs> episode he's got he's going out to iraq and kind of finding like their version of trevor noah doing like a daily (laughs) it's like a matter of life and death and he's he seems to be like drawn to these odd characters obviously in sasha barra cohen and the characters yeah but this character of gary faulkner who is for want of a better word he's he's an oddball right like <laughs> <laughs> totally is is he not though like i was thinking we have such a a unfortunately a wealth of people who think they know better and can do better yes. <laughs> these days you know we don't want to know what the scientists say we don't want to know what like any expert says on anything economists whatever we want to you know hear piers morgan's version or something you know we want our version of how this should go down but at least this guy you know went out and tried to do something with his not thinking i can do better <laughs> which brings brings us like perfectly onto the plot of this so like the kind of this has got a perfect elevator pitch because you can kind of deliver it in no time whatsoever it's like ex-convict um i i, I say perfect i'm stumbling over it already <laughs> uh, yeah ex-convict construction worker has a mission from God 
to kill Osama bin Laden. And it's like, as soon as you hit see that as like, that's what a film is about, I have to fucking see it. And that, and then compounding that with, oh, and it's starring Nicolas Cage. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, why would I, why would I, why, why would I ever think to not see that movie? And like, his, his performance, you, you yeah, you, you mentioned it. Like, his performance in this is great. Like, it reminded me straight away of, like, he's putting in the effort and kind of going to a weird place like he does in, like, adaptation. He's kind of got that, like, throwing himself. Maybe it's because it's one of the rare roles, both of them, where he's put on a bit of timber. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it it is great. And I think, like, I was reading something about, um, or I had read about, you know, there's been a good few articles now since his more recent um, films. So he's done more interviews about his his style, yeah. as it were. And um, like I can relate to it in the essence, like as an illustrator or something, like you get jobs and you get paid to do those jobs, but you want to bring something that you want to do into each one of those yeah. jobs. So for me as an illustrator, I'm like, well, I want to draw something in this style or I want to do this. So I'm going to throw that into this job that I'm getting paid to do. And that seems to be what he does. Like he brings all these inspirations in that he wants to add to a performance. Well, he mentions in an interview I watched like recently, like in preparation for this, that like he spoke to like Gary Faulkner for like a good few hours to kind of... (laughs) get inside of his head and he said like one the the thing i realized quite quickly is here's a guy who just doesn't shut up like he will just talk and talk and talk and cage delivers that like perfectly he's just like especially like with like this and the stuff he's saying as well like he's got like a host of these amazing nicknames that he like kind of seems self-appointed which i'm not sure (laughs) is like are you allowed to like give yourself (laughs) a nickname is that like is that a taboo (laughs) <laughs> totally but if you say it enough times people will go with it won't they yeah my my favorites of of the ones that he mentions is just the g he's very <laughs> adamant on that one as a an amazing scene where he's um in islamabad at like a, a hotel isn't he and they, yeah. they say saying to the guys like that that they can't pronounce Faulkner. They keep going, ah, oh, Faulkner, Faulkner, and he's like, oh, just call me the g just call me and the, and another one which like slipped under the radar, I think for most people is he refers to himself as the psychic wizard, which is just like, <laughs> I think if Nicolas Cage were to be like some, I, I know obviously there's the nouveau shamanic like thing. Like, yeah, he is. He is like a psychic wizard. Like that is kind of <laughs> the vibe he 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 emits out to people. Um, yeah, totally. So what's yeah, what scenes in this like particularly stand out to you, Brett? Oh see well, I mean, obviously the the opening scene, uh, I mean that like tells you you're gonna enjoy this film. It's like, you know, a USA flag clad cage flying a USA enamored hang glider. He's got a samurai sword pointing forward <laughs> and he's like he's shouting like Binny Boy, time has come, jihad's <laughs> arrived. <laughs> <laughs> the, i mean the, that's an opener the the amazing detail i, lo- I love of the hang glider as well is the like boom box <laughs> yeah and there's like an amazing like scene where it's him talking to like a, a, a shop yeah like a shop clerk about 
what it is like what music i should be listening to as i go on my hang glider <laughs> yeah. like, oh, the, the weight of the the boom box might like throw you off and he's like i'm gary faulkner i could do what i want and uh we get this amazing rendition like a kind of like really downplayed version of free falling by uh tom petty as he like does his first like ascent well yeah his uh, his first attempt of many because the real gary faulkner went to pakistan seven times yeah i'd read that which is like bonkers and and that was after like he literally did have like at least two boat boating attempts to get there but failed miserably (laughs) so i i found i personally found this film and it again it would be really interesting to see how like larry charles would have handled it because it's weirdly a film of two halves. It's kind of like the mm. first half I found is very much this just look at just an, an eccentric guy, just almost like... Yeah, they were trying to, um, I think, as well in the first half, it seemed like they were really trying to make you seem like, yes, this guy's eccentric, but like he has people, you know, he he has people that are really warm to him Yeah, as well. Like he's got some, you know people around him that really put up with that (laughs) that vibe that he gives you know because I have to say like when the way Cage delivers the dialogue and and that voice there's so much energy to it it's tiring like watching it is tiring I felt like you know as tired as I was stressed watching Uncut Gems you know like (laughs) that delivery really affected me just sat there watching it um but like yeah he's got like people that you know obviously stuck around him and and the forever forgiving marcy the girlfriend who just you know is like as great as as can be because she just lets him do whatever well i think it's this as well because obviously he's playing a, a real person um obviously aptly titled the donkey king um <laughs> which obviously like he's not he's now venturing again to play well obviously yeah out again to play another real person in the Tiger King as Joe Exotic, yeah. so like th- watching this again, kind of is like, oh, he he is he is more than capable to go to the places he needs to, and like from watching interviews with the real Gary Faulkner, he captures like not the voice entirely, but like he captures the energy and the kind of like I don't know, there is a sadness to the character of Gary Faulkner that like I think like Cage portrays in this. Uh, as much as like a lot of it is broad strokes comedy, there is yeah. there is like this kind of sadness to the guy really that he's like, yeah. Well, that I think that's what I was trying to. Like, it seems quite affectionate, even though like this guy, you know, what he's done is a complete loon. <laughs> but you know, it's quite affectionate towards him. I mean, I, I guess I've worked in supermarkets and stuff. You know, you do meet people like that. Yeah. <laughs> These people do exist, and they do talk like that and stuff. So. It's not like this person is out of the realm of possibility, um, you know, and often like, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with these people. They're just a little eccentric. Well, I think it toes the line quite well as well, because obviously it could be argued that the, the real life guy of Gary Faulkner, like, may have mental health issues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to, to and it doesn't, it never feels like you're laughing at, Gary, do you know what I mean? And it's like yeah. it very much could feel like that. And it's like you're brought in, like it's I don't know. I don't like you're brought into his world enough and like realize 
like you said, that he's like people are affectionate like towards yeah. him. And like his heart genuinely is in the right place. He's just got <laughs> this harebrained scheme that yeah. like, he's gonna go over to Pakistan and kill Osama bin Laden. It's like <laughs> It's absolutely like I don't know. It's absolutely mental. Like I just like watching it again. Yeah, because I said I watched this in 2017 before this was even a like an idea to do this podcast. And it was this film that actually made me think. Do you know what? Like I've always I've always loved Nicolas Cage, but like I don't know. I had this fascination all of a sudden of like what? Like how has he done so many films? And he is he's like. <laughs> He's not, I don't know, he's not up there as a tentpole name, if, if no. that makes sense. Like, he's very much like, I don't know. It's obviously hard to say because we're, he's still going. But, like, obviously you can look back at, like, is he going to be considered, like, the Charles Bronson of his time? Of, like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. just doing all these kind of, like, yeah, because Kay just done a lot of like straight to DVD movies and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, obviously we don't. We can't. No, I, it's it's funny. I think like especially when you read some more interviews and stuff since you know some of his more recent films like Mandy and mm -hmm. and Color Out of Space. Um, like it's like the critics are coming back round to him in a way. Like that, it's almost like they're done with the slamming him and and coming back around him which you know which is great uh, he he has that thing for me which a lot of um you know there's uh, maybe it's because I'm getting older and you know the people of our time are the ones that are the best yeah. but there's something about like yeah Sly Stallone's and your Nick Cage and yeah that like there's just something of a presence that they have on film that like just makes you want to watch their films 100% and you mentioned those kind of like stalwarts of like action cinema there is a yeah there's a very tenuous link between a uh stalwart of, <laughs> of, of Dolph Lundgren uh he actually starred in a 1993 film called Army of One that was directed by Vic Armstrong a like uh who was a guy known for like stunt work and stuff like that he did like gladiator and stuff like that he went on to direct his second feature film Left Behind with Nicolas Cage in 2014. So his <sighs> his two his two films he has directed have some weird link both to Nicolas Cage, one in sharing a title and the other well, obviously starring what could be a cardboard cutout of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. That that is literally the one like of, of all the ones I haven't seen all Cage's films yet. Left Behind is is trash <laughs> that's the one i i cannot enjoy and it's because he's not in it for most of it <laughs> well I've, i i think that and i like from reading about that one he he, he did it almost as a favor to one of his brothers because he's right. he, he's a preacher and he's like a pastor and so he's like yeah yeah no i really love the left behind books he's like oh, if, if you really love the material i'll do it and like his performance almost shows that he's almost like you can sit you can <laughs> see like a i, I don't like I know this is for the Christians, so I don't I don't want to offend yeah. anyone. Like, and whereas this, it feels like I don't know. Cage is flexing like he's having fun, which I yeah. love to see. Like him on screen having fun, and like it feels like with Larry Charles as well. There's like 
sometimes actors can look like they're having too much fun on screen whereas this is like the 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 character the character is so out of this world and like that yeah. kind of that the language in which like Larry Charles speaks he he deals with these larger than life characters whether it be your your Larry Davids or your Borats like yeah yeah totally so um I don't know some some of the moments yeah that like what what other what other scenes like really really got you like were you like um well i i mean i guess snippets and there's multiple there's multiple bits like in the bar when he's challenging the guy to throw the knife and he gets his mate that's 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 really funny and 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 that that obviously one of his friends um is paul shear who is probably the reason why i got back into nicholas cage big time because i listened to like the how did this get made a face off yes. you know and and because i li- like most of those films and i was like oh yeah i need to watch this stuff again and, and it's just like you know that got me totally hooked <laughs> well it'd probably be no surprise to anyone that that listening to that podcast was basically like i was like you know what i'm a greek man like with a funny name like <laughs> jason manzoukas is a greek man with like a funny surname like I reckon I could do a podcast where I talk about <laughs> films and decide like how, how, what, 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 what the fuck is going on? And that, yeah. Yeah, that is basically the, the, the genesis of, but you mentioning Paul Shears, there's a great thing that like those character actors that they have, like those people who obviously like Paul Shear is amazing at improvisation yeah. and like has this really small part, but like <laughs> when he's on screen, I can't help but beam just cause he's just got like, he, he he's a funny looking guy like not in a like yeah a, and he just like he portrays this put put out friend like <laughs> and you you learn so much about his character when you see gary sleeping on his sofa and there's yeah his his, his house is adorned with all this like bric-a-brac <laughs> like loads of like um china frogs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah like, yeah gary's there on his sofa um and he's like re- reluctantly like kicking him out as well yeah yeah and it, like it, really doesn't want to but just to appease his girlfriend because he like even leans over doesn't he? he's like that's it you're gonna you're gonna leave tomorrow and like kind of like yeah. says it so she can hear it so it's like and like when we're introduced to gary as well like obviously apart from that like the the, the prelude to it him just asleep inside of like a house like on a construction <laughs> site it's like that tells you all you kind of really need to know about this character is like yeah he's been sent on this mission from god and this is how he lives his life and like this film i don't know i, I guess it's probably down to the cuts in it that you get i got kind of lost like one of, you know, one of the things i would say against it is i kind of got lost on like a sense of time of like how much time has passed like yeah because for me also like the first half like the getting to know gary is basically like it's him building a ramp for his girlfriend's daughter. Mm-hmm. Like that's the first half of the film is like, you know, him going through doing that. And then the second half of the film is him, you know, in Islamabad. Or, and, and, and that's also for me where I think it probably comes with the cuts is where it really starts to lose a lot of momentum suddenly. Like it, it kicks off, you know, like I think it's like day one and he's woken up by the alarm and he's, yeah. you know, in his pants with the sword <laughs> upside down. It's like, that's hilarious. But then it just starts to 
meander for a bit like just going through days it's like trying to do a montage without a montage like yeah. just throw some music and have a montage that would have it's probably not larry charles's style but that that would have like kept you perhaps with the process a bit more well, and less that, meandering it's that thing that it almost feels like an overstretched like hour of something as opposed like because uh, yeah that disjointed like two halves is i don't know like I'm not sure if the original cut, I can only assume that like some of that stuff of him, like back home is between his trips and they've like, just yeah, that, 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 that's very much how it feels to me is that like, it would have, you would have got more of a sense that this guy, and I think it would have like really benefited the film to just see like the dogged determination of him that like, to be like, not that he just went there once, this guy fucking went there seven times. Yeah. Like, like a guy who you're established pretty quickly doesn't really have a lot of money. Like doesn't like, <laughs> no. like paycheck to paycheck. And the fact that he's like this, this mission from God, which yeah, he, he manages to like just scrape the money and a Brit like, well, I would say brilliant. It's a very, very small cameo from Matthew Modine. Yes. Yeah. As his, uh, like kidney, kidney doctor. doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, which is and and again, like I'm not sure your like. What are your views on Russell Brand in this film? Like, are you like? So, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna champion Russell Brand in this film, but not because he's like natural in it. He's oh. he's like he's definitely a bit wooden in it, mm-hmm. but he's still Russell Brand, and he's funny. And in and some of the lines he delivered, like. Another scene I liked is when he's in the um pulls up in the truck, you know, and, and Cage realizes it's God and gets in. Yeah. Sorry, Gary Faulkner. And uh like, you know, just like when he starts rocking and and just the way like, you know, Russell Brand speaks, like that dialogue is just him in oh, in real yeah. life. Um and and yeah, so like <laughs> just that scenes like that together just made me enjoy it. There's and and I like him. Like he's re- he. I thought he was perfect for the role, um, but yeah, I think he just is not totally natural actor. I watched an amazing interview with uh, Nick Cage talking about working with Russell Brand, and uh, it's quite cringe-inducing because it's Nick, Nick Cage. Like, oh, they have this thing in Britain. Uh, it's, it, I've I've become I've become a I've become Russell Brand's China plate. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it stands for mate, and like it's like. Oh, like yeah, we get, we get, we get it. You're trying to like, you're you're trying to like, I don't know, seem yeah, seem like you, you really got on, like which like for all intents and purposes, it looked like Russell Brand maybe if maybe was on set for two days. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of it looked like it could have been filmed. shot in front of a green screen, yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> via Zoom. Get a background involved, like you got to get yeah. you see it's done. Um, and then I don't know, like there's what there's one like glaring thing in this film, and like, I don't, maybe it's me being nitpicky, but there's a scene of um, Kate, well, supposed to be Cage riding a motorcycle through a, like a market square. And, yeah. Um, you can see that it is one hundred percent a stunt double. <laughs> if you've got a Dulux chart, like his skin tone 
is vastly <laughs> different to that of Nicolas Cage's. Even though Gary Faulkner, like Cage, bulked up to play that role, he is like still got a bit like a few more splinters on that timber than like Cage <laughs> has in this movie. And it's like, I don't know, it's stuff like that. Like it's when you start noticing like moments like that that you're like, oh, I think I've slipped out of this film. A <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like a lot of it is fun. Like the 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 premise is great. Like and watching interviews with Gary Faulkner, like he is he seems like a a fascinating guy. I just I personally wish we could have like I don't know. Maybe maybe we should like those DC nerds have uh like managed to throw their toys out of the pram and have got the Schneider cut. We can uh have a very grassroots uh and probably not going to go anywhere campaign to get the Larry Charles cut of Army of One. Yeah, I didn't think anyone but Ridley Scott got their cuts out there. <laughs> <laughs> Blade Runner, how many different edits do we get of that? Come on, just give us one. <laughs> um, one more. So, uh, one, yeah, one thing, you mentioned the voice earlier, is there are moments in this that, like, gave me almost like PTSD flashbacks because his voice very much veers into that of a Eddie in Deadfall. Right. God, if, I've not if, seen that for a while. It, <laughs> it kind of like, it's when he's like really losing it. And like, ch I think it's when he's chasing uh, a guy who he suspects is a uh, Al Qaeda, like, uh, like sniper. And it turns out he's just, shot the guy like sh yeah shot someone over a dispute um <laughs> like again that is that that is a great little that is a great little set piece and like just seeing i've got a theory like cage should not be running in movies because he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't seem to be able to do it like he's, he's that was a struggle that run <laughs> yeah 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 but th this film it makes sense it's when you see him in other films where he's supposed to be like the Tom Cruise s character, and it's like, yeah. why does he look so pained when he's running? Like <laughs> him playing this character, it's like I get it. He's like he's a bit of a I don't know schlubby guy. Um, yeah, but usually he's a bit too all arms and legs, isn't he? It's like yeah, big movements. <laughs> you can see you can see that it's taking a strain on his knees as well in a lot of films. Like it looks, he's the anti Tom Cruise of running. Like Tom Cruise, <laughs> you know, you're gonna like. You're, beautiful running scenes where it's like nick cage it's like stick to what he's good at like do you know what i mean like bit of bit of walking like maybe, yeah like, a bit of shouting here and there but like leave the running for somebody else uh yeah it's in that moment that when he shouted he kind of like he's like go back here and i was like it, it shook me to my core because I, all i could think is just that like like the clip reels of eddie that for anyone who hasn't seen that film is a fucking car crash of brilliance uh <laughs> it's probably the best way to yeah. describe it um amazing is there yeah is there any other like stuff uh, in this that like points you want to you want to bring yeah i mean like so uh, i guess like you say there's 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 all these little like spots or set pieces like i enjoyed the um the sword fight with osama bin laden like you know, and the humor in that, like they're getting the mm -hmm. samurai sword, you know, the fact that they're sword fighting in a cave with samurai swords and it's cage versus 
Osama bin Laden but like they get stuck in the roof and then like when they actually hit each other the the <laughs> reverberations like they drop this so it's like ow <laughs> just moments like that and the fact that they were both on kidney dialysis machine machines just before <laughs> yeah it's like great moment it is a film of like these little vignettes and like i personally love the 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 jaunt to vegas he has with um with his, with his <laughs> yeah. friends and it's just like the colombians this, yeah and it's like a great just and just like seeing him like in that casino setting as well and he's like just i don't know like it's a it establishes him and there's like that great exchange he has when he's smoking a joint at the uh <laughs> like a poker table and the guy's like yeah you need to you need to put that out or i'm gonna kill the cops and he's like he's just got this like exudes this self-worth and it's just like the the confidence like I, I i i could only like dream to have of just being like hey i'm I'm here i'm doing my thing and it's like if you're gonna be like that he just like stubs it out and he's just like i don't i don't know because this film and i guess again we probably would have like delved into it a bit more with the Larry Charles cut is how much of it is true and how much of it is a part of like, cause there's a lot of references to Gary suffering from um, pre-dialysis hallucination. Yeah. Yeah. That does come into play a lot in this, but I, d- I don't know. Like sometimes it's not as explicit and like, just feels like in the cuts they've done, it's just like, as great as that Vegas scene is, it's it's also quite redundant, like to to driving the plot forward. Uh, yeah, it it is, and I guess it's almost like you know, like you say in the cuts, it's like they had a scene I think with him and Marcy, and he mentions it, so it's almost like they've got to throw Vegas in there because they want to keep this earlier scene, yeah, where it's mentioned. You know, so like, well, we can't chop both of them out, so maybe they just like you know cut it right down just this weird thing but they also have the bit where like in in that scene in vegas which again pointing to his you know like lucidity with the truth is that you know the colombians (laughs) the the mexicans on a tequila convention (laughs) um they stole his money not that he gambled it all away so we we saw him on a high but the reality was he lost it all gambling. And this this little scenario is like his reasoning of why he doesn't have the money. Yeah, and obviously like the the final exchange between the Mexican guy and Gary is like uh Osama bin Laden says like don't go to Pakistan, like we're on <laughs> yeah. It's just like this like, oh all right, like I don't know, like I felt like this film could have like gone again, like I keep going on about it, but like I don't know if the Larry Charles cut would have like been broader or like gone a bit darker as well. Like obviously, like, it is it is tiptoeing on some like quite like dealing with some quite dark things really in the way of like it's talking about a guy's mental health. It's talking about like I I don't know like extremism in 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 some senses. yeah and that obviously I guess in it, it, and and it brings up that classic point of like when a white guy is going on some kind of like like rampage or like mission from god it is yeah it is with the samurai sword which has has happened in supermarkets and whatnot in america to to awful results but it's it's seen as like uh it's it's a it's one loose nut and like the way that 
like we see at the end of this with the real footage of Gary Faulkner, it's kind of like everybody just went straight for the humour in it and was like he was paraded around. He was on like the the View with like Whoopi Goldberg and his Fox News. He was he was all over the place and like whereas like if like I, I can only imagine if his name wasn't Gary Faulkner and he do you yeah. know what I mean? his his skin complexion was different like that like the character would have been treated in a different way and i'd like i feel like knowing uh yeah like the work of larry charles that that is probably one of the things that they would probably possibly would have like been trying to point at is this kind of hypocrisy yeah. of america that you they have in regards to like race and how they treat people when they're yeah it's quite funny i read a i read a review i read a couple of reviews after amazing um just to like to see because you know you get like on your on your streaming like everything gives it like you know many more stars than you see in papers and stuff and sometimes nowhere near enough stars (laughs) um but I read this thing and I've got, I have to bring it up because it's so funny. It was in like Variety and and the reviewer, like they bemoaned the film for saying that it imposed American ignorance on others. So like the, the, his, this character being in, you know, Islamabad and, and behaving the way he was, was like, you know, I mean, he's American and, and his mentality was this way. So like, yes, you know, there is this strong... Yeah, yeah. like ignorance from americans on on other cultures like you know their president shows it every day <laughs> um, but then like then after that they blame the reviewer blames cage's early action films <laughs> so like yeah the rock and the conair and stuff on america's shift <laughs> from forgiveness to vengeance like because america was such a forgiving place beforehand <laughs> It's just hilarious. But the, the 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 highlight of that is that at the end, they knock the film for leaving it with the bloodthirst being unrequited. So because it didn't have this big, like, you know, bloody angry ending with Osama Bin Laden, like the bloodthirst wasn't requited. So that was bad. But it was like, you're just, uh, it's hilarious. Like the, the, the political aspects of this film that were just like obviously totally missed, but also like not missed because they were insulted by it. Yeah, yeah. well, like this, I kind of feel like would be a, a great like companion piece to uh, Chris Morris's Four Lions. Uh, this, kind yeah, of, like uh, the 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 yin and yang of kind of extremism in like both senses of this, yeah, like Islamic extremism and this kind of patriotic american like white extremism of like just kind yeah. of like these fanatics and obviously like it's just coming to me now they're kind of they're quite similar kind of voices in comedy uh like chris morris and larry charles in that they like uh yeah both both are happy to push push the boundaries and push like what is acceptable in regards to like people's tastes and stuff like that yeah <clears throat> yeah, like Four Lions is quite like a, a polarizing film to a lot of people. And it is, I really I love that film. Absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it. It's amazing. R- Rubber Dingy Rapids. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what more? What more could you want? Um, 
so yeah it's probably it's we've been waffling on for it for a good long while so it's probably good to start wrapping things up but um before i let you go i have a little kind of scale to to test nicholas cage films and i'm yet to kind of really realize what all this data means and once i've watched them all <laughs> kind of compiled it then i'll be able to imperatively say this means this and this means that but it's it, it's something I've, I've i've gone with and i'm going to stick it out to the end which is yeah a three-point scale so does nick cage have bad hair in this movie brett oh see (laughs) i think he's got a bad beard in this movie (laughs) but i think his hair is amazing because it is gray con air hair yeah yeah it's it's perfect it's it's perfectly and in the same interview i was uh, talking about earlier where he's talking about uh, russell brand and being china plates he talks he's very adamant to let to let the interviewer know that he dyed his beard to just like <laughs> kind of like I, I dyed it grey like as yeah if, okay, okay Nick like we're not we're not we're not gonna <laughs> yeah um, yeah I don't know what's worse like is you know clearly <laughs> just for men beard mm-hmm. or that really messy grey beard <laughs> amazing uh, and I think this one's kind of a. a anyone who's seen this film and I, I, I might know the answer does he have a crazy voice in this movie oh for sure <laughs> definite <laughs> is it is it vampires kiss crazy or like where on the kind of cage scale would you put this of like because that is known as like kind of the <laughs> uh, yeah it's 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 not vampires kiss crazy <laughs> Because uh, there's, there's, oh, yeah. I don't. It's up there though. It's it's below that, but it's up there. It's yeah. It's got. It's got. Because I, I, I think people said like it. I, I did read something where people were saying it was like Gary Faulkner's, and I had to listen to Gary Faulkner. I was like, it's not like Gary Faulkner. Then you know, it's better. It it gives more, I think, to the film. So it's great that he does it. Yeah, it's like he's taking Gary Faulkner's and like kind of. I, I guess like anyone embellishing a story, he's yeah. added that that twenty percent that it needs to kind of make it exciting. And like that that is one thing. Cage's performance in this is is exciting to see and a rare kind of out and out comedy performance that we don't we don't really get to see from Nicolas Cage. No, no, not at all. And and yeah, it's fun. It's fun seeing it's fun watching a film knowing that he's having fun playing the part. I yeah. think you can see that from this film. And like you said earlier, like he brings he brings himself to it, and you can see like he enjoys bringing that kind of pathos of the character to it. Like I I, I would like to think, and from listening to from interviews with Nicolas Cage, that like he wouldn't just like look on the surface level and go like, oh right, so it's um, it's a com- it's a comedy. Like like no no let, let let's dig deeper into this character and like kind of what what layers are there like what what have like led him to kind of be yeah. this way and like i don't know like there's a beautiful moment near the end like it's kind of really quickly like you've brought out like brought out but when uh he sees that osama bin laden has been killed and we get like age <laughs> crying on the sofa <laughs> it it kind of just shows you like the futility of gary's entire plans like, yeah and until his crazy tells him, no, he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, I think um, 
I don't know, a lot of people now would probably play play into that uh, to that thinking. It seems like conspiracy theorists and uh, <laughs> fact deniers are, are, are on the rise as, yeah, as totally. the current times we're living in. Um, and the last question I always ask is, do we get a classic Nick Cage freakout? He's known for his career. To, but yeah, there's, there's videos dedicated to it. Do we get a freakout in some way? I would say we don't in this one. I think we get a very energetic performance, but I think for me, the closest he gets to it is the rocking in the truck with God, <laughs> but that it's not quite there. A, 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 a personal, like, like a moment that like teeters on it for me is uh, there's a great moment when he hears like uh, a domestic disturbance and like, like some kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, vigilante goes to inspect it and like <laughs> yeah. I've I, I can only assume people have heard him kind of busting in like this American like from nowhere kind of going, What's going on? And like he chases these guys out with the samurai sword and he's kinda of, like shouting at them and it's just like I don't know, like those scenes in like the kind of tight corridors and stuff like that are great. Um yeah, so uh yeah. It's been amazing having you on, Brett. Um, where yeah, I've people... really looked forward to uh, doing this. <laughs> I like talking all the wrestling. I usually talk with the guys, but I was like, I get to talk about Nicolas Cage. I can't wait because no one really entertains it. <laughs> well, yeah, like, and as as somebody who like is on this very weird journey, I'm, I'm always, I'm all, like, well, I say I'm always. I, I've got to always be happy to talk about Nicolas Cage, but. Um, <laughs> I, I I found more and more as I do it that like um, it's gone from like being interested and like being a fan to just like really just like I've got a massive respect for the guy like realizing that he does he does all these movies because a lot of time he wants to and obviously there is that element of like you said like so sometimes you've got to take work like but if you're going to inject yourself into it, inject yourself into it like yeah but he is i don't know like just before talking i was watching an interview with him and he was talking about um how he's trying to encapsulate this kind of french uh like german expressionism in like the way he acts and stuff like that and it's like yeah see that is that that is that is the things like you want to you want to see from someone or like even oh, no, totally well i mean i'm sure you've probably mentioned it in when you've spoken about these films but you know he talks about like trying to um bring in Nosferatu when he does Vampire's Kiss yeah. with his movements and stuff and and Woody Woodpecker with Raising Arizona like he brings all these amazing little moments I think he even said like um he saw uh, an advert John Stamos did for leggings or something and the way he said something he said was so cringe he was like I need to bring that into a film and he used it in a film like just that way of doing something it's like you know there's inspirations everywhere and he takes it and he actually creates something and and that's what I love about him is that we got so stuck in realism being like the the you know the way film should be the way acting should be and 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 the only good stuff you know worthy of praise and critique is like realism it's like what <laughs> you know this is entertainment like oh and C cage is like very much riding that wave at the moment of yeah kind of i don't know it, it's he's straddling the 
like boundary between art house and kind of schlock entertainment very much yeah. like mandy and like color out of space almost like he's on a way to this like trilogy of kind of tone pieces of like bizarre bizarreness and just like mm. uh weirdness and yeah later on this year i think it's supposed to be released uh as a movie called willie's wonderland uh which, yeah i've seen about that exciting <laughs> yeah sees nicholas cage playing a like a janitor an unnamed janitor who has to like fight against these demonic animatronics in a kind of like Chuck E. Cheese style adventure land for kids that's been abandoned and like re- reading about like the backstory for like that film and stuff like that it's like he's picking these amazing roles and it seems like the films he's doing and like one of my guests brought it up um was it seems like a lot of the movies now are directed by people who are fans of that like golden era of cage like so just mm. from sheer like age wise a lot of like new directors so like uh, panos cosmotos like would be like the perfect age to have seen like con air and like face off at the cinema so now they're like what i've got a chance like and it probably helps that he's like fallen on financially tough times that like yeah he's probably not as expensive as he was in those in those days no i think also like because he says he, he he can't have too much time you know because yeah. I, th- I like he doesn't say explicitly but i think he clearly probably suffers from depression like with some of the stuff he talks about sometimes and and he needs to keep working so i actually think and he also talks about um wanting to emulate like the golden hollywood people that like had this film catalogue of like hundreds of films and he, he wants to emulate that. So like he's just taken on a role. So yeah, if you were a director, like your opportunity, no matter like probably the size of your budget to work with Nicolas Cage must be like exciting. Well, I look, it would be for me anyway. I'd be yeah. like, yes. <laughs> I, I look at the kind of like actors who have worked with like arguably like the top tier directors throughout the years. So like, Obviously, early early years, Cage would have worked with Francis Ford Coppola. Bit of nepotism, never hurt anyone. <laughs> but like, he's 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 like ticked off some real like heavy hitters. Whether it's like John Woo, Martin Scorsese, um, like Ridley Scott, like yeah. Oliver Stone. He's got all these like, and it's I don't know a lot of a lot of actors, and I would put him in a camp almost of like. He's his career at some point he could have gone that Leonardo DiCaprio route, uh, which like links in a way because Nicholas it, it, sh- it shows you who's the one to take more risks. Nicholas Cage outbidded Leonardo DiCaprio on that famous dinosaur skull, uh, that, 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 that <laughs> so he had out to give to back, be, yeah, that turned out <laughs> to be stolen. Um, so like, but it, it shows that thing that Leonardo DiCaprio, I always like to think now he's kind of pigeon hold himself and that he can only do these kind of like like uh if if it's not going to be nominated for an oscar like no chance i'll be doing it whereas like cage's career is so much more exciting because it's like yeah he could be anywhere like and and you don't know what cage you're getting either which is exciting as well because it's going to be different like he, he does different stuff in different films which is also exciting and and even like if he does the same premise in a film like it will be it may be like the like the same color but it's going to be a different shade of that color do you know what I mean it's going to be 
if he, if he's seeking revenge in one film, it might be like I don't know. Yeah, it might be a, a blander color, but then you're also going to get the seeking revenge of Mandy, which is going to be like fucking hell. Like it's going to like or yeah, you're going to get you're going to get Donald and Charlie Kaufman. Do you know what I mean? And it's like mm. all you have to do sometimes, like just a quick one before we go. Just you look at the year this came out. I always like to put these these films in kind of context of when they came out. Dog Eat Dog, Snowden, USS Indianapolis Men of Courage, and Army of One, uh, yeah, all came out in 2016. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm missing I'm missing the trust as well. Yeah, so five yeah. five movies one year. Work two of those uh yeah, two of those like heavy hitter directors, Paul Schrader and Oliver Stone. But then he's done UNS Indianapolis, which is, uh, I don't think, well-received. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, as you said, you don't know who you're going to get or, or yeah. where, where he's going to crop up. And it's 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 what makes, my, yeah, him a fascinating actor. And especially it makes my life very interesting doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You don't want the same every time, do you? No, no, of course you wouldn't, not. You wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> Yeah, if, if if this was a Tom Cruise podcast, it would be like he did some running, like yeah. You know I mean, he he did some jumping, like I don't know. It's like only so much you can talk about a guy doing his own stunts. <laughs> no, with. totally. And also, you know, the difference, like one person perceived as crazy, one person literally crazy. Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, before I let you go, where can people keep up to date with obviously hardest part of the ring, which you are contributor to um, yeah not not a host and uh, <laughs> yeah where can people check out all your artwork and um well so uh i am on instagram and twitter for my illustration i am uh at ewf81 that's for east worthing's finest <laughs> um and for the podcast for the wrestling podcast if you're fans of wrestling um it's at hardest part pod amazing Brett. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast it's been so fun to kind of nerd out on some nicholas cage with you yeah definitely love it <laughs>
uh, at him on Twitter about it. But um, he reached out and said that both him and Nick were unhappy with the what the producers had done to this film. Uh, famously, I think uh, it was the Weinsteins who had something to do with this film. So that probably says all you really need to know about uh, what happened in regards to this being edited and cut down but even down to the uh, the music score that they had no say in that it kind of just got like butchered cut and the ending was completely different to what they wanted but Larry Charles and it, this hasn't been reported uh, by anyone uh, I've, tr- I've, I've, tr- I've tried to reach out to people nobody wants to know maybe it doesn't matter but Larry Charles said he's working on a cut of this film he's working on like the Larry Charles cut hashtag release the Charles cut is what I say so that's really 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 exciting stuff uh, for Nicolas Cage fans Larry Charles fans and uh, really exciting news for me as well um, I'm gonna chase this up till my dying day but Larry Charles as well said once the cut is ready he will come on this very podcast and talk to me about it. Talk about what happened to the old one, working with Nick, hopefully. Uh, maybe get into some of his other career highlights. But to me, there are many highlights of Larry Charles' career. And talk about, uh, obviously, the differences. What, what his initial vision is, and hopefully one day in the near future... We will see that and we will get to hear Larry Charles on this podcast. Um, As always, if you disagreed with me and Brett, what we thought about this film, you can get in touch. You can say you guys were wrong or you guys were too easy on this film. You guys were too hard on this film if we were either of those things. And that is simple on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's all at at caged in pod or you can drop me an email which is caged in pod at gmail.com coming up next week on the podcast i'll be joined by comedian actor writer and just general funny man dan thomas to talk about the 2017 movie Arsenal, or is it Southern Fury? I hesitated on the title because I always forget which one to mention, but depending on where you live in the world, it will be one of those two titles. It was a very, very fun conversation about a quite frankly bizarre movie. So do do subscribe, all that good stuff, rate, review and stuff like that, but, but make sure you listen to next week's one because it's a fun one. This was a fun one that's a fun one and i've got lots and lots and lots of fun episodes coming up for you guys so as always i have been petrus patsilibus i have been caged in you have been amazing catch you next week bye-bye This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drooptown Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. 
Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.